course, Jesus is uh, standing before Pilate. Uh, he had just been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and had been taken before Pilate. And so if you find your place, stand with me together as our custom is uh, for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. I'll read uh, just a few verses out of this chapter, Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now skip down with me, if you will, to verse 11. And Jesus Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus saith unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, To never ate word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And let's pray. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, once again for allowing us to be in your house. God, I pray that you bless now the preaching of your word. I pray that you'd speak to us today, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you'd be active in our midst. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would do the work that I can't do. That's the work in the heart. And Lord, I pray if someone is here today and they don't know you as their personal Savior, that they would accept you, Lord, today before it's eternally too late. Those of us that are saved, I pray that you would uh, allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us into what you'd have for us to be. We love you and we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, Pilate, uh, we, uh, we hear that name mentioned, and uh, of course, it's a very, uh, he's a very famous character uh, in the crucifixion story. He was the Roman governor of Judea. You see, uh, Rome was the occupying force of the world at the time when Jesus was uh, alive, and uh, he reigned during the entire life of Christ from the time he was born until after his crucifixion. During Pilate's life, he no doubt made many important decisions. Uh, none, none, though, held more significance than the one thrust upon him concerning the fate of an ex-carpenter turned self-proclaimed prophet, a man from Nazareth who went by the name Jesus, but who was also called Christ. Pilate here, of course, we know the story. Pilate made one of the most disastrous decisions in the history of mankind. But you know what? It was a tough decision. It was a turbulent decision. It was a, by the way, a terrible decision. This decision was thrust upon him without warning. During a week, of course, during the week of Passover, that should have been filled with feasting and merriment. Like most huge decisions that we all face in life, it came without warning. Yet here it was, fraught with political pressure and potential personal peril. It fell upon Pilate to decide the earthly fate of the Son of God. Imagine uh, being thrust into that decision. Now, although Pilate's decision was allowed by God in order to fulfill his promise to redeem all mankind from sin, it does not dismiss Pilate's guilt or his excuse of his eternal liability. As Jesus once said, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The morning, this morning, our goal is to learn from Pontius Pilate. Although we are right to condemn his sin, sinful and selfish decisions, if we do not learn why he made such a disastrous choice, we might find ourselves mimicking his mistake instead of learning from it. And folks, let me just say this. All of us, uh, one thing we have in common is that there's going to be key times in our life where we must make difficult decisions. Amen? Now, young people, for the most part, uh, life's not filled with a whole lot of difficult 
difficult decisions for you yet, all right? I mean, young people, they've got to decide, okay? Uh, lucky charms or tricks, okay? I mean, you know, uh, chocolate milk or regular milk, all right? But, but life isn't just filled with those types of decisions. Uh, the older you get, the more responsibilities you take, you're going to find out that you're going to have to make tough decisions in life. What did Pilate do right? What did Pilate do wrong? What led him to make the worst decision of his life? How could it have been prevented? What can we learn from it? Here's the title of the message this morning, How to Make Tough Decisions Well. How to Make Tough Decisions Well. Let me give you some Bible principles based upon this passage that I pray will be a help and a blessing to you this morning. Number one, first of all, ask questions and listen to the answers. All right? Ask questions and listen to the answers. That's one thing Pilate got right. He wasn't afraid to ask questions. And as you go through this account, here are the questions that Pilate asked. What accusations bring you against this man? And here were the answers. Well, if he were not a malefactor, we would have not brought him unto thee. We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. We have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. That was the question. That was the answer. Here's the other question Pilate asked. Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? And unfortunately, we know that answer. They chose Barabbas. How about this question? What shall I do then with Jesus? By the way, that's a question that every single person must ask and answer. What shall I do with Jesus? What was their answer? Let Him be crucified. Why? What evil hath He done was what else Pilate asked. Let Him be crucified. He asked Jesus, Art thou the King of the Jews? Here was the answer. Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Here's another question. Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? By the way, you know what that answer was? Nothing. Silence. Whence art thou? Of course, these are questions that were asked of Christ. Silence. Here's this question. Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? And here's what Jesus said. By the way, great answer. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivers me unto thee hath the greater sin. How about this question? Am I a Jew? Thine own rulers and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Here's what Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. But if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not of hence. And by the way, thank God for that. Amen? And uh, uh, even though Jesus at the time uh, was not here to set up His earthly kingdom, there's coming a day where He's coming back as King of kings, Lord of lords, and He's going to set it up right here on this earth. Amen? How about this question? Art thou a king then? Jesus said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And then, of course, probably the most famous question Pilate asked, what is truth? What is truth? So Pilate did the right thing by asking questions and gathering as much information as possible. Let me just say this. When it comes to making tough decisions in life, uh, you know what? Uh, you ought to do your homework, okay? You ought to um, understand that there's two sides to every story. There's differing opinions. And you know what? You ought to listen to both sides. There's been time in my life where I had to make decisions. And when I was uh, young in the ministry and, and when I was first started out, uh, you know what? I would, I would sometimes 
sometimes be caught in the trap of getting emotionally caught up on one side of the story. And you know what? You can't do that. Amen? you got to be sure to listen to both sides before you decide to, uh, what it is that you're going to do. So first of all, you need to ask questions and, and listen to the answers. Number two, you need to evaluate motive. Notice what it says in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 7. It says, for he knew, talking about Pilate, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. In Mark chapter 15, verse 10, it says, for he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. Now listen, Pilate wasn't a dummy, okay? Pilate did not get to his uh, place of prominence uh, because he didn't know what was going on, all right? He knew exactly what was going on, and, and, he, and he was very quick to notice the motive, all right? He didn't just listen to the responses. He gave what they were trying to do uh, behind what they were saying. And let me say this, folks. Part of making right decisions is understanding not just what a, a group or a person wants, but why they want it. Amen? Why they want it. Again, how many times have I been around people and, you know what, man, they can say the right thing and they may have the, the right answers, but why? what's motivating them to say that? So it's important to not just ask questions and listen to answers, but it's also important to evaluate motive. Number, uh, number next, you must, how about this? Listen to the Savior. Amen. Listen to the Savior. Pilate listened to men. All right. He heard what the Jews had to say. He heard what the chief priests had to say. He knew what the crowd were, was cheering. But what was it he also did? Thank goodness he had enough sense to listen to the Savior. He listened to the Son of God. And folks, let me just say this. All right. Man, this is important truth. The Word of God ought to always carry more weight than the opinions of men. Amen? Listen, folks, everybody's got an opinion, right? Okay? And everybody's got what they think about something, what, you know, what they believe about this, what they believe about that. By the way, think about this for a minute, all right? If mankind's opinionated, guess who also is opinionated? God's opinionated. All right? Let me just say this, folks. God has an opinion about everything. All right? And it ought to matter to us what God thinks. And before making a tough decision, always consider the principles and precepts of the Word of God. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 105. For He, uh, or I'm sorry, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about what that verse is saying. All right? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, sometimes in life, uh, uh, things are dark. Sometimes things aren't quite real clear. And so let me tell you what we need to do when we get to that point. We need to lighten things up a little bit. Let me tell you how we lighten. Let me tell you how we illuminate. It's through the truths of the Word of God. Psalms 31, verse 3, For thou art my rock, my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. And folks, listen, God wants to guide you. God wants to direct you. And He will through His Word. Here's the principle. Never make a decision that would violate the Word of God. As a Christian, there ought to just be certain things that as Christians ought to be no-brainers for us. Amen? Just be certain things that, 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 that's a creed, that's a motto, that's something that we, we just hang to and hold to. And you know what one of those things ought to be is this, I will not make a decision that violates the Word of God. So many times I've had, I've heard people say this to me, trying to justify some kind of behavior. They're like, well, you know, I just, I'm just not convicted by that. I have people say that to me. Well, folks, let me just give you a Christian reality check this morning. All right. Amen. By the way, I don't know what kind of church you thought you were coming into here, amen, uh, but we're a church that preaches the truth around here, all right? Yeah, you, the preacher's preaching to you. It's going to help you by, by, by speaking truth to you, all right? Folks, listen to me. If, if we're trying to do something or justify something that is directly against the 
Word of God, the Holy Spirit's not going to speak to you about it. You know why? He doesn't need to because the Bible either says to do it or not to do it. Amen? And we need to get back to that as Christians, that the Word of God trumps everything. All right? And so we need to listen to the Savior. We must then, number three, decide what the right thing to do is. Pilate came to the right decision, by the way. He knew what the right thing to do. It says this in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 27. Here's what he said. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Luke 23 verse 4. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. John 18 verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And we had said this. He went out again to the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. You know what? Pilate knew what the right decision was. You know most wrong decisions are made not because we do not know what the right thing to do is, but because we lack the courage to do the right thing. Let me say that again. Amen. That's a good, that statement was worth coming here this morning for. Amen. Most wrong decisions are made not because we do not know what the right thing to do is, but because we lack the courage to do the right thing. And you know what? Pilate knew what he should have done, but it was a tough decision wrought with possible political consequences. And you know what? He didn't make the right decision. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, and I'm not saying that this stuff's easy. There's been multiple times in all of our lives where we've had tough decisions to make, and we knew those decisions were going to have consequences. And you know what? Even by choosing right, you know it's going to be tough. But let me just say this. It's always tougher, though, when we don't choose right. It may, may be in the short term not seem to be that as big of a deal, but in the long run, it matters. Amen? And so always make the right decision. How about this? What else do we see that Pilate tried to do? Don't try to pass the buck. All right? Don't try to pass it off. Luke chapter 23. Listen to this account here. It says this, and, and they were the more fierce. This is the crowd here now, all right? Saying, he stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewelry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at the time. So you know what? As soon as Pilate saw a way he might be able to get out of making this tough decision, he he tried to take the out. He tried to pass the buck off, all right? Oh, oh, you're from Galilee? Oh, you need to go see Herod. But guess what? It backfired on him. Because as soon as he went to Herod, guess what Herod did? He pushed it right back to Pilate, all right? And you know what, folks? Here's the thing. If, if when it comes to these tough decisions, all right, if it's yours to make, then you know what? Make the decision. Don't pass the buck. All right? Listen, if it's something that you have to answer for, it's something you have to decide, then you know what? Make the decision. But let me say this. Make the right decision. All right? Make the right decision. Don't try to pass it off to somebody else. All right? You make it uh, that needs to be made. How about this? This is good. All right? I'll probably get some amens when I hear it when I say this. All right? Listen to your wife's input. I was supposed to be laughing. That was supposed to be amens. All right? No. You know who else was involved in this story? Pilate's wife. Listen to this verse, Proverbs 27, 19. I'm sorry, Matthew 27, 19. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. You know what God was trying to do? God was trying to uh, use who should have been uh, Pilate's closest sounding board to help him make that right choice. 
Now, husbands, let me say this. You know what you ought to do? You ought to consult your wife before making tough decisions. Amen? Consult her. Listen, if God is not giving her peace about it, then take that into consideration. Had Pilate heeded the concerns of his wife, then he might have made the right decision. I'll just be honest with you. There, the, the times in my life where I've made stupid choices, it's because I didn't either ask or ignore the, the advice of my wife. Amen? And so listen, guys, uh, God has given you a wife for a reason. God's given you a wife for a purpose, and it's not just to cook your meals and do your laundry, all right? No, man, I'm going to tell you, uh, God, God, God will give your wife wisdom and help. and let, You ought to listen to that, amen? By the way, when you get married, the Bible says two become one. So that means she's part of you. And by the way, that decision is going to affect her life as well. So you better believe she ought to have an opinion about it, all right? And be smart enough to listen to your wife. I remember when we made the choice to, uh, God was moving uh, us in our life and, and changing direction uh, in our life. I'm going to tell you right now, that woman right there was, was, was part of that, that decision-making process. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you and tell you this. God started working on her about it before He started working on me about it. Amen? And uh, so it was, it was a, a decision that we made together. And had Pilate listened to his wife's input, maybe he would have made the right decision. Now, wives, let me say this, a word of advice to you. If you have a husband who values your input, then be a source of godly counsel. Amen? All right, listen, let your advice be gentle and wise and anointed with virtue. Listen, don't nag or boss or badger or manipulate your husband. Okay, I'll just tell you this. I didn't necessarily intend this to turn into a, uh, a family message this morning, but we're going there a little bit. Amen? All right? It's all good. Listen, wives, I think you figured this out. Okay? Men don't like to be nagged. Okay? We just don't. Hey, I heard an amen there. One guy had enough courage to say amen. Man, I'll give you another chance. Men don't like to be nagged. <laughs> all right? Now, now, now listen, ladies. All right, seriously, in all seriousness, okay? Uh, you can uh, give good input uh, without, you know, being just there to, to be a hindrance or, or, or an annoyance to your husband. Amen. By the way, the way God set up the family, the husband's the head of the home. Amen. By the way, I told you we're old-fashioned around here. We're, we, we preach Bible, all right? Uh, the, the husband's the head of a home. But you know what? The, the, the wife sure is the neck that turns the head, all right? And so, ladies, listen to me. Uh, The ultimate decision may uh, rest upon your husband's shoulders to make, but you know what? Give good advice. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Amen? And gentlemen, let me say this. If you've been blessed with a virtuous wife, consider carefully her wise counsel and her gentle warnings. Amen? And had Pilate would have done that, maybe his decision would have been different. So don't try to pass the buck. Listen to your wife's input. How about this? Don't base your decisions on popularity or politics. Okay? Now this is where the rubber's starting to meet the road here. Amen? Pilate decided to put the decision in the hands of the crowd. Okay, He again was trying to avoid making that tough decision. Instead of doing what he knew was right, he was more concerned with the opinion polls of man. Okay, And folks, let me just say this. All right, Opinions, uh, there's a hundred different opinions from everywhere. 
And I'm not saying again not to take input, but when it comes down to making right choices and right decisions, you can't worry about what everybody else is going to say or isn't going to say. you got to do what's right to do. Amen? No matter what may be the political uh, fallout on that. Pilate tried to rig the decision so the crowd would make it and release Jesus. So what did Pilate do? Again, he's trying to outmaneuver the crowd. He thinks he's smarter than them. So what's he do? He brings out the most notorious criminal of the day and stood him beside Jesus on the platform. Now we hear the name Barabbas, and we don't think a whole lot about that until you study who Barabbas was. He was one bad dude. Okay, and I don't mean in a good way. I mean, if you study what the Bible has to say about Barabbas, he had a reputation of evil. He was one of the most infamous criminals of his day. He was a domestic terrorist. He was a serial killer who had slaughtered innocent people, a thief and a robber who preyed on the weak and defenseless. He was a cult leader who brainwashed demented souls into joining him in his crime sprees. If he was in our day and age, he'd be someone like a Charlie Manson. That's who he would have been. I mean, he was the worst of the worst. He's the guy that you locked away in solitary and tried to forget about. That's who Barabbas was. He was a threat to his own people. He was a rebel rouser. He was a robber. He was a murderer. So Pilate thought to himself, there's no way these people want Barabbas. No way. So he reasoned that, hey, if they had to choose between Jesus, who's called the Christ, the man who did miracles, the man who raised their dead, the man who caused uh, 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 blind eyes to be open and deaf ears to hear, there's no way they're going to choose Barabbas. But guess what happened? It totally backfired on him. Think about this. Man, this is amazing to me. But the chief priest moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, come on, folks. It was, this is not just some, uh, some story we're reading, all right? This really happened. Here you have Jesus on one side. Here you have Barabbas on the other. And, and, and Pilate, I mean, but he's got to be smiling to himself. Oh, oh I know what's going to happen here. Jesus or Barabbas, could you imagine? Give us Barabbas! Man, what, a, what an amazing thing. And, of course, Pilate, again, ended up making the wrong decision because he tried to pass the buck. And you know what? He gave them exactly what they wanted. Let him uh, release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. Now let me give you this. Remember this when when it comes to making tough decisions. You cannot make a wrong decision and then claim innocence. Can't happen. Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, listen to this, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Now you know what? Pilate could stand up there and get his hands as wet as they wanted, but it did not erase the choice and the consequence of the horrible decision he made. You can do a little token hand washing. You can make bad decisions and think, oh well, no big deal. I'll just brush it off. Let me tell you something, folks. There are consequences when it comes to decisions. Especially when it comes to decisions of eternal value. Amen? Now, as I'm always famous for saying, that was the introduction, all right? Let me give you the message real quick this morning, all right? You know what? Some of the most important decisions all of us need to make, number one is this, decisions concerning eternity. Decisions uh, concerning eternity. Folks, listen, reality check, okay? We're not living here forever. Okay? Life is just as the Bible says it is, a vapor. That appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
We went on a trip this last week, and one of the things we did on that trip, we visited an old cemetery. We visited the Hatfield uh, Cemetery on the mountainside there in West Virginia. And we went to that, uh, I'm not going to say famous, more infamous cemetery, if you will. And you know what we saw uh, on all those tombstones? We saw the same thing. Date, a date, a dash, and a date. You know what that was? Born, a dash this size represented a life lived. And then a date that they died. Let me tell you, you know what that was filled with? The same every cemetery is filled with? People who lived a vapor of a life and then entered eternity. By the way, we didn't just see uh, stones that had uh, uh, people that lived to be 80 years or 60 years or 50 years. There were some stones we saw with a little lamb on top. You ever seen one like that? Okay, where a child, okay, literally maybe five years of life, maybe months of life. Folks, listen to me. Whether God gives you your full four score and ten, or whether He just gives you uh, just a brief amount, it doesn't matter because truth be told, folks, uh, life is short, eternity is forever. And what God has set it up in such a way that what we do right here in this brief vapor of life we have will echo through eternity. Amen? And so let me say this. The very first decision all of us all better be making well is the decision when it comes to where we're going to be at in eternity. By the way, you know what, folks? Here's the thing. Whether you're saved or lost, you are an eternal being. The soul of mankind never dies. Amen? Every single person has eternal life. It's just a matter of whether where you spend it at. And whether or not you're, what God wants for you to have is eternal life will actually be technically considered eternal death if you die without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Amen? Listen, folks, it's very simple. Two destinations, heaven or hell. Amen? One way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Just as Pilate had to make that tough decision about what shall I do with Jesus, every single one of us must make that decision, what am I going to do with Jesus Christ? And let me tell you what you need to be doing with Him. Number one is making sure He's your Savior. Amen? Making sure there's been a time in your life where you've accepted Him as your personal Savior. Listen, folks, joining a church doesn't get you to heaven, okay? All right? Being baptized doesn't get you to heaven. Hey, I want folks to live good. I mean, we ought to live good. We need a world where people live good, but you can live as good as you want. But our righteousness, according to the, 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 uh, compared to God, the Bible says that's filthy, putrid rags. Amen? Ain't none of us can live good enough to get to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through belief and faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? Realizing that we're sinners. All right? Realizing because of our sin, there's a penalty on our sin. That penalty is death and hell. Yep, you're in a church that still preaches on hell. Amen? Because it's a real place and it's hot and people still die and go there every single day. Amen? And the only way to escape that is through your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's called being born again. It's called getting saved. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, let me encourage you, you need to make that decision today. You ought to not walk out that door unless you know 100% sure that when you die, you're going to be in heaven. Amen? I'm not talking about 80%. I'm not talking about 90%. I'm not talking about 99.9%. If you don't know 100% for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven, then you need to get that settled today. Amen? And by the way, you can't. So when it comes to decisions about eternity, listen, that's a tough decision everybody better make well. How about this? Decisions concerning living a life that pleases the Savior. Because here's the thing, folks. Once we get saved, all right, our responsibilities aren't over. In fact, if anything, they're just beginning. Because here's the thing. Remember this. When God saves us, all right, He has saved us for a life of service to Him. We belong to Him, by the way. All right? The Bible says He purchases us with His own blood. 
And we belong to Him as His children. Amen? And by the way, folks, you ready, you ready Christians, for this? God has a right to tell us what to do. Yep, He does. He has a right to tell us how to live. He has a right to tell us what we ought to do, what we ought not to do. He's God. Amen? Now, I understand God works in tandem with our free will, and we must choose to do certain things. Let me just say this. I was talking to someone before the service about this this morning. There's not one person in heaven right now that lived a life in service to the Savior that has any regrets. Not one. I mean, nobody. I mean, your, your, your family members that are there, my family members that are there, people uh, that we read about in the Scripture, that, there's not one of them that's up there saying, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have served God so much. Not one of them saying that. But I'll tell you this, heaven is going to be filled with people who they were saved, but as the Bible says, saved so as by fire. They made it there by the skin of their teeth. Oh, they were born again all right, but they didn't live a life that pleased the Savior on earth. And you know what? I guarantee you this, there will be regrets there. Why do you think the Bible says that God's going to have to wipe away all tears from our eyes? Why do you think He says that? Because you know what? Unlike, you know, what some people think, there will be for a period of time tears in heaven. You know why there's going to be tears in heaven? Because we're going to have to face the Savior as Christians one of these days and give an account of our stewardship. I'm going to tell you, not every Christian's a good steward. You know what? There's been times in my life where I haven't been a good steward. And the Holy Spirit of God has smote my heart and convicted my heart about it. Amen. I've had to get on my knees and cry out to forgiveness to my Heavenly Father and ask Him to forgive me for being a bad steward of the things He's blessed me with. Amen. Let me just encourage you, Christian. Listen, it does matter how we live the Christian life. It matters. Amen. It matters whether or not we're obedient to the Word of God. It matters whether or not we do the things we know we're supposed to do and stop making excuses for things we know we shouldn't do. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to how we live a life for, for our Savior, there's tough decisions to be made. Amen. By the way, you know what Jesus said? Very interesting. He said He came to, uh, to, to bring a sword. You know what He meant by that? That a life living in devotion to Him was going to divide some things. You know what? Not everybody's going to understand when you as a Christian decide to sell out and go all out for God. A lot of people don't understand that. You know what they're going to start? Th- they're th- going to start thinking you're crazy. They're going to start throwing out words like this. You're being brainwashed. You belong to a cult. They'll start saying things like that. And listen, folks, I'm going to tell you, we're, we're, not, we're none of those things here. But I'll tell you one of the things we are here, we're a Bible-preaching church. And without apology, I will always preach that as Christians, we ought to give our all for Jesus Christ. And we ought to live according to the Word of God. Without apology, that's what we ought to be doing as Christians. Amen? Because let me tell you why. Eternity's coming, that's why. Whether it's by death or whether it's by trumpet, it ain't, we're going to blink a couple times, life's going to be over and we're in eternity. By the way, I've talk, we talk about this a lot around here. Life on earth compared to eternity, no comparison. No comparison. I mean, again, we're living here, we're consumed with it. In our minds, life is, you know, we, got, we all got our lives in front of us. But truth be told, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, folks, listen, read the obits. There were people alive last week that didn't know that this week they'd be in eternity. Had no idea. By the way, not just older people either. Young people. Okay? Children. Teenagers. Amen? And so folks, I'm trying to emphasize to you the importance of eternity and the importance of making right decisions when it comes to eternity. Amen? Parents, listen. we got huge responsibilities to raise our kids for the Lord. Huge responsibilities. Okay? By the way, kids will be what we put into them. You realize when kids are born, they're born with a blank slate? You realize that? Okay? Listen, despite what this world's trying to cram down our throats, 
Okay? Nobody's born bent on one particular certain, you know, sin. Yeah, yeah, we're all sinners. I get that. We all have a sin nature. But for the most part, our, our kids' minds, were bo- they're born with a blank slate, and they're going to be what we train them to be. That's why the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. By the way, you know what the way you ought to go is? According to the Word of God. Amen? And parents, the best thing you can do for your kids is to get them in the church house every time the doors are open. Because you know what we're doing around here? We're trying to uh, teach children the right kind of things. We're trying to point them toward the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to teach them the things that are going to help them uh, be, be able to get saved at a young age and live for God with their lives and have no regrets in their lives. Amen? And you know what? It's important that we make those tough decisions well. So, you know what, folks? Life's about decisions. Life's about choices. And we're all going to have to make some tough ones. And I pray that we can learn from the example of Pilate. And listen to me, folks. Let's make right choices. Amen? Let's make right decisions. Not based upon, okay, here's the world's philosophy, what our heart feels. Oh, just follow your heart. Oh, that sounds so cute, doesn't it? That's the most anti-biblical statement, one of the, one of the most anti-biblical statements the world's pushing out out there. They push it in their music. They push it in their movies. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know what the Bible says about our hearts? That they're desperately wicked. Who can know them? The Bible says if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. Amen? Don't trust in your heart. I don't know about y'all. My, my, my heart or my, or my feelings, my, they've deceived me before. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Listen, when it comes to things of eternity, we can't afford to be deceived by how we feel or or by some little tingling that comes over us. we got to base that upon something solid. You know what that thing solid is? The Word of God. Amen? So let's make tough decisions well based upon the principles of the Word of God, thus saith the Lord, all right, and not be like Pilate, pass the buck. Amen? And you know what? Today, Pilate, no record of Pilate ever accepting Christ as his Savior probably burning in hell today, thinking back to the time when the Son of God was standing right beside him and he made the wrong decision. Don't let that be your testimony. Amen? Let's make the right decisions when it comes to things of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.